Good morning, friends. Isn't that a great last statement that was made? In that? So that's a summary of the passage that we're covering today, but that the, the Word of God, the salvation of God, began to expand to the ends of the world. And so this morning, if you're watching on Facebook, if you're connecting to us here, it's, it's very interesting for us to be a little church in Buffalo, New York, and still have the ability to be able to talk to you potentially at the ends of the world. Now, let's be real. Most of you are probably only a few miles away from here uh, right now, but there's the potential for that. And so thank you so much for joining us out there. Thank you so much for being with us uh, here in the room this morning. We are going to be talking in Acts chapter 8 about uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, we're going to call the sermon this morning, though, Interrupted by God. So if you've got a Bible, a copy of God's Word, will you open up to Acts chapter 8? We're going to begin in verse 26 this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Milo, one of the pastors here at Randall Church, and it's just so good to have you here with us again in the room, uh, home online, just to be able to think through uh, some of what's going on here. We are in a sermon series called The Movement. We are four weeks into this series, so if you're just jumping with us here today, uh, we want to kind of catch you up to see what's going on, that the idea of the gospel rolling out uh, to all uh, of the, the known world at that time comes from the thesis statement uh, from the book of Acts. Now, now, you've heard of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Luke is one of the, uh, the gospel writers that, that gives a first-person account of what happens with Jesus when he walks on the earth, this great teacher Jesus, uh, who is our Savior, who is our Lord. And then he comes back, and he writes a second book, the book of Acts, and he talks about the expansion of the gospel, specifically the expansion of the gospel through the Holy Spirit's work. Uh, in Acts 1.8, we get the thesis statement for the book uh, that the gospel would be going out, that Jesus tells them it would be going out in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and this witness would go out into the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we're seeing that happen here. Uh, if you want to be used of God, you don't need ability, you need what? Availability. If you want to be used by God, you don't necessarily need ability, you need availability. And what you're going to see today here with Philip, you just saw in that summary, is that Philip was available. Uh, he'll be amazed how many people think that because they don't have a talent, a special talent for playing an instrument, uh, for speaking in front of people, uh, for, for being hospitable. Uh, we should all be somewhat hospitable, but being uh, someone who uh, welcomes people into their home and has that gifting that they can't do anything because they don't have this special talent. Uh, be reminded in today's passage that sometimes it just comes down to being available. Uh, but what you want to understand, too, is that being used by God is rarely convenient. And so there's going to be something we're going to see today is that God rarely asks us to do anything that is easy, that is, is convenient for us. And actually, when he calls, he doesn't actually care that much about what you have going on. Let me say that again. God doesn't actually care that much about what you already have going on because it's through the inconvenience or it's through the interruption that God is going to do something special. Uh, we're not quite as important as we think we are. The world doesn't quite revolve around you in the way that you think that it does. Uh, the world doesn't revolve around me in the way that I think that it does. Sometimes God needs to interrupt us and wake us up to that. And we're all kind of experiencing this a little bit. Again, COVID has, has done this for us in many ways of just interrupting our lives. But just in a practical kind of goofy way that many of us have been interrupted is if you're doing any type of work via a Zoom call and you have kids of any sort, uh, man, you're getting interrupted. Uh, your kids are getting in the way. I don't know if you remember a few years ago uh, that there was a BBC interview that was happening and uh, this man is giving a pretty serious interview about the impeachment of their president and the next thing you know there's a little kid toddler just kind of walks in the background if you remember this video 
walks in the background, and before you know it, 30 seconds later, mom is watching uh, BBC, watching her husband do an interview, and realizes that her kid is on the screen uh, in the show, and so she runs into the room, grabs the kid by the collar, and drags him back out. Uh, and like, like, just the insanity of, like, kids have no filter for this. They're going to interrupt you no matter what. I saw another one that happened over the last few weeks. Uh, there was a professor, a college professor, who was teaching his online classes, and his high school son thought it would be funny that uh, just to over, over a series of a few weeks to keep photobombing his dad while he was in the middle of teaching the class. And so dad is teaching this college class, and his teenage son comes across in the background wearing a cap and gown, waving to everybody uh, as he went across. And then a few days later, he came by uh, wearing a full safari outfit, like he had his goggles or his uh, binoculars, and he's looking off. And then he came in uh, dressed as a ninja and was like sneaking through in the background. But this time, Dad got the best of him because he had a Nerf gun under his desk, and he pulled around and shot him uh, and made sure that that was the end of that. So just uh, being interrupted, like... Like, my son Elias is six years old, and so uh, I've been on a few Zoom calls, and he likes to kind of peek in and look into the room and wave to me in the background. And, and, and a couple weeks ago, he came in, and he kind of snuck up into my lap and sat on my lap. And I'm telling him, you know, stop, get away. I don't like you right now. All of the things that dads try to say to get rid of their kids in this environment. And so uh, as, as he's coming up, climbs up onto my lap, and that particular day, I was wearing a set of headphones so he couldn't hear the conversation going on. And if you wear headphones, you know that there's a microphone right here on the headphones so that they can hear you. So he climbs up into my lap and then whispers in my ear, which is right next to the microphone. He says, Daddy, after you get off of Zoom, can we play Mario Kart? Mario Kart. He wants to play Mario Kart. He wants to interrupt my call to make sure that I'm ready to play Mario Kart uh, at 4 o'clock because that's when his screen time starts. And so he whispers that into my headphones, and then as he sneaks away, he gives me the thumbs up like he just told me something top secret, you know, that, that now everyone on the phone call has, has heard uh, that I'll be playing Mario Kart instead of working at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So we must allow ourselves to be interrupted. Let's take a little bit more serious note on this. This is a quote by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Excuse me. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. Bonhoeffer is a, is a Lutheran pastor. He's a theologian. Many of you have probably read his book, The Cost of Discipleship, or at least heard of that title. Uh, I studied it in college and, and read a lot about it, but actually um, never really looked into his life, like didn't kind of get all of that. And I know some of you know his story, but the reality is, is I kind of read a lot of what he wrote without actually getting the backstory uh, behind it. And Bonhoeffer uh, is, is a guy who uh, was, was a Lutheran pastor who saw the Jews in Germany. So he was German. He saw the Jews there in Germany uh, being persecuted and saw uh, Nazi Germany coming down on him. And he decided to take it upon himself to basically uh, go up against Nazi Germany. And so not only was he writing theological treatises like uh, what you see here with the cost of discipleship, but he was uh, taking a very active stance on his faith to make sure uh, that, that truth and justice came through. And so, ironically, he was uh, brought to the United States. He, he was safe here in the United States. He saw many of what was going on, and he only lasted here uh, for a very short amount of time before he decided to go back to Germany and be able to uh, fight against Nazi Germany in those days. And so, 
Uh, if you know the story, uh, not only did he uh, write, not only did he have radio broadcasts, not only did he do all of those things, but ultimately he was part of a coup that was going to take out Adolf Hitler. And when he was, he was caught in the middle of that process, he was actually put on trial for conspiracy. And just two weeks before the U.S. troops came in and freed uh, the prison that he was staying in, he was hung uh, there for his conspiracy against Adolf Hitler. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. Bonhoeffer was allowing himself to be interrupted. And I'm, I'm, this week I'm turning 39. It's my birthday this week. And, and he is 39 years old when he uh, gives his life for the sake of the gospel there uh, in Germany. And so we must be ready to be interrupted. I don't know that any one of us, again, he is one name in 100 years uh, that would have gone through this type of intense persecution, but we need to be reminded uh, that we need to be interrupted by God. So let me remind us again, uh, God rarely asks us to do anything when it's convenient for us to do it. God is going to ask us to be inconveniently interrupted, and that's what you're going to see here today with Philip. So if you have gotten your Bibles open, if you haven't got there already, I'm in Acts chapter 8. Reminder there, Acts chapter 8, uh, we're beginning in verse 26. Uh, we're seeing uh, Philip. Uh, Philip is going to uh, share the gospel. He's going to uh, share the gospel in a really practical way. Uh, but we want you to start with this point this morning. Are you interrupted by God? Here's what you do. Start a fire. Interrupted by God? Start a fire. I'm going to explain what that means here in just a moment. Let's begin reading in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of all the Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go, go to that chariot and stay near it. So then Philip ran to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone would explain it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Have you been interrupted by God? Start a fire. Start a fire. We might have think, if you think through this, Philip might have objected to this call that he had got to leave the great success of the work that he was seeing in Samaria. At this point in the early church, we believe there's about 10,000 people who have accepted Christ and are now living uh, together in community uh, for the sake of the gospel there in Jerusalem. And God is moving in a mighty way. And as you read uh, last week with us, if you were with us, that how the beginning of the chapter 8, we begin to see the gospel ripple itself out in Samaria. And who is the one who is the speaker? Who is the one that is kind of leading? that charge. But Philip, this ordinary man that God had given some extraordinary opportunities to, and he'd stepped up to the challenge each time. So why wouldn't he want to stay there in Samaria and be able to celebrate some of the success that he was seeing when it came to sharing the gospel? But God had a great plan for him, and he was willing to do what? You're going to see two times in this first section, the word go. The Holy Spirit's prompting him to go. And what does he do? He goes. When the Spirit calls him to go, what does he do? He goes. It took real boldness for Philip to be able to go right up to this Ethiopian. Uh, but first he had to be responsible for responding to the call without any other instruction, other to go out into the desert to go out into 
the wilderness. But God had a plan for him there. It was a desolate place. He is leaving a place where God is moving and God is at work and he is going to a desolate place. A place where it doesn't seem like any ministry could be done. A place where it doesn't seem like any people would be. A place where it's actually dangerous because he could be robbed. He could be beaten. Uh, but all of those things, he is leaving a prosperous place to go to a desolate place. And then God tells him to just walk straight up to this Ethiopian. Just to speak to him because that's what the Holy Spirit had told him to do. Now today, Ethiopia is a pretty small country. Uh, Ethiopian, uh, Ethiopia back then was a very large space. It was everything in Africa south of the Nile River. And so this guy was like the treasurer of the entire region. He worked for the queen, it tells us here. This is a very powerful man. This is a very powerful man who is a eunuch, which means that he had been castrated. Because if you're going to work for the queen, they want to make sure uh, that you were not a distraction to the queen or that you were not uh, going to get frisky ideas. They were going to make sure that you're going to take care of that problem and make sure that there's nothing else that's going to happen there. If you have further questions about that, your care corridor elders would be happy to sit down and talk with you uh, further about what it means to be a eunuch for this Ethiopian. Uh, he is interrupted by God. So what does he do? He starts a fire. There is a spark here that starts, and it starts with this question. Do you understand what you are reading? So, so this chariot, and there's different examples. We're not entirely sure, but most likely this chariot is being pulled by people, not by horses. But nonetheless, he goes and runs up next to the chariot, is jogging next to the chariot, and, and hears the Ethiopian reading this text. <clears throat> this text, excuse me. And he says, do you understand what you are reading? So I'm just taking a moment here. This is a little bit of a sidetrack. When it comes to starting a fire, this is actually an acronym. When it comes to sharing the gospel, when it comes to asking good questions, and this is what the Ethiopian does here, is he asks good questions. So start a fire. It's very easy to start a conversation with someone about spiritual things to be able to share the gospel by using this acronym. Ask questions about family. Ask questions about family. Asking the questions, do you have a family? How many kids were in your family? How many siblings do you have? How many children do you have? Especially for those who have grandchildren. They want to show you their entire photo album of all of their grandchildren. They want to be able to tell you all about their kids and all about what is going on. Uh, but sometimes you're going to find out that a person is divorced. Or sometimes you're going to find out there's something really going on in their lives by simply asking the question, tell me about your family or lack of family. Tell me about your family. After talking to them about their family, you may talk about your own family and some of the own hurdles that you've got uh, in your own extended family. And we've all got Uncle Joe, whoever that happens to be in your situation. Maybe you are Uncle Joe, and that's part of your story as well. But the, you, those family questions oftentimes uh, can get a conversation started. And so when he asks this question, do you understand what you're reading, he is starting at the surface level, just kind of getting a conversation started. And a lot of times for us, if we're going to start a fire, we're going to need to do that with asking family questions. Secondly, uh, we can ask interest questions. You can ask interest questions, like what do you do in your free time? Or I see that you've got that sticker on the back of your SUV. What is that all about? Uh, what is the hobby that you appear to have? Maybe we've got something in common. Maybe there's no way that I would have in common the thing that you are doing right now. I'm not going to be a guy who's going to 
X, Y, or Z, but it's something to have a conversation about. Talk about what interests this person. If you start asking someone about what their interests are, if they actually are passionate about it, they will talk your ear off. It'll give you an opportunity to be able to hear all the wonderful things about making pies that you never knew before because this person is so passionate about it, that they are so interested in it. Start a fire. Family questions, interest questions. Thirdly, religious questions. Questions that that sound like this. What is your religion? That's a pretty straightforward question. What is your religion? Or what is your spiritual background? Or have you thought about spiritual things? What is your family's spiritual tradition? Uh, what, what are some religious practices that you have uh, during the holidays? Or something like that that just kind of opens up that dialogue, gets a little bit deeper, is going a little bit further under the surface. And oftentimes you do follow this sequentially. Family, interest, religious questions to get to an evangelical question getting to an evangelistic question that says, if this listener is not a Christian, which you have picked up on by the first two or three questions you've asked, you may have the opportunity to share the gospel with this person. You should be able to judge that by this person's answers to your previous questions as to how they decide to lead their family or the things that they are interested in or the things that they've chose not to be interested or how uh, involved they are in spiritual matters. You should be able to tell uh, where an evangelical question uh, can lead. And a simple question that can start the conversation here is if or why, uh, if God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would your answer be? That's an evangelical question that's going to be able to continue a conversation. And what we're saying here is, is really, if you're going to be interrupted by God, maybe you need to start a fire. If you're being interrupted by God, maybe you need to start a fire. Start a fire. Meaning family questions, interest questions, religious questions, evangelical questions. Interrupted by God, start a fire. Secondly, interrupted by God, start a fire. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. If there is a fire started, if there is a spark, if it seems like there is some type of interest in gospel-centric things, we want to be clear here that we are sharing the gospel. Uh, I've shared that with you before, that that too can just be a reminder that God's only Son provides everlasting life. God's only Son provides everlasting life. When we share the gospel, we had better be sharing the truth of Jesus Christ, that His only Son was given for you and for me so that we might be together with Him to be reunited in relationship with a holy God because of His only Son. If we're going to share the gospel, there are times where the fire has been started and it's time to fan the flame. Let's pick this up in verse 32. This is the passage of Scripture that the eunuch was reading. Remember, he asked him, what is it that you're reading? Do you know what you're reading? He said, uh, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself, or is he talking about someone else? And check out what he does. Then Philip began to basically fan the flame with that very passage of Scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Now, you're going to see something awkward in your Bibles here. If you're looking at the New International Version, you're going to see the number 37. 
but there's not going to be anything next to 37. Or maybe it's off in the margin, off to the side of your translation. There's nothing there at verse 37. If you happen to have a King James Version in front of you, uh, that is one translation I'll explain in just a second that continues. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Again, I told you it was King James. <laughs> and he answered and saith, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then continuing in verse 38, And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into water, and Philip baptized him. If you're interrupted by God, start a fire, then fan the flame. Now let's talk for a second of why in your translations there in the New International Version, uh, verse 37 is not there. Uh, if you have the King James Version, it's because uh, there was a certain time uh, that they actually felt like that this, this text was so important that this, this clear statement of response of being able to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that it was actually inserted into the text in the early days to make sure that this creed or that this statement of faith was in the text because they felt like it was incomplete. Now, however, when they've found more documentation and more background on where this text was actually coming from, the earliest manuscripts don't have that verse 37 in the earliest manuscripts. And so uh, it is more accurate to say that that's not in the text. But the reason why authors added it at another time at a later date was because they wanted to be clear, wanted to be sure that we knew the main point of the text here, that we did not miss the main idea by hearing a good story about Philip and the Ethiopian, uh, and we didn't miss the part that it's all about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So that's why uh, you're going to see that oftentimes in italics or off to the side. It was good here for the Ethiopian to be reading God's Word, to be reading the Scripture, what he sees in the Old Testament. But unless understanding was brought to him, he says, how, how am I going to be able to understand this unless somebody sits down and works through it with me? There would be little benefit from his reading. When I was in high school, I took an English literature class on the Bible. It was taught at our school by an atheist teacher. He, he took it upon himself that it was, he felt it was very important as an atheist to be able to take the Bible, teach it as literature, and strip away from it all of the spiritual things, all of the things that we learn to trust and that we learn to believe in. He wanted to look at it simply as letters and verbs and being able to uh, just look at it as a text. I took that class, and any Christian who took that class, uh, you were going in there getting ready to take a pounding. Uh, if you went and you, and you looked at Scripture with any type of bias that said that there is something spiritual being said here, not just a nice text, uh, you were going to take a beating in that. So you can actually read the Bible and miss all of what is going on. So what is happening here is you're seeing this Ethiopian reading the Bible, but he's saying, I think there's something underneath the surface here. He's coming from Jerusalem because he has gone there to worship because he is trying to learn about uh, the God of the Scriptures, and he needed to understand more of that. So Philip starts here. Remember, he started a fire. So he starts with something that, was, uh, that they had in common so he could be able to share the truth of Jesus Christ through the Scripture. The Ethiopian himself is ready to respond. His heart is already repaired, uh, prepared. And so all that Philip has to do is fan the flame. God is already doing something here. We should not think that when we look at this that Philip was such a great orator or Philip was a, 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 such a great debater that he was it. No, God was actually working. The Holy Spirit, again the book of Acts is all about the movement of the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, God has already sparked something, already started something in there, and Philip just got to be there and fan the flame. It's not a tribute to Philip's salesmanship, but it's a, a tribute to the, the acts of the Holy Spirit in his life. And so the Ethiopian asked this question. He said, what would stand in the way of me being baptized? He sees this body of water. He says, is there anything that would stand in the way? Now that question is being asked because under the surface, there's some, some real questions that are being asked here. First of all, he's saying, I'm an Ethiopian. I'm not a Jew. My skin color is different than yours. He says, I'm a treasurer for a foreign agency. Uh, my, my whole system of life is different than yours. I am a eunuch. Uh, I, I've been castrated. And so in religious practices of the day for a Jew, he would not be allowed to come in to worship in the synagogue. He said, is there anything that would keep me from being baptized? He says, because it seems like the gospel that you're pres presenting to me here today looks different than what everything else looks like because it is counter-cultural. He says, is there anything that would keep me? And Philip says, you need to believe on Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, there is nothing that is going to keep you away. Philip insisted that the Ethiopian believe with all of his heart before being baptized baptized. In a nutshell, this describes how we should respond to the gospel. We believe in our heart. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the Son of God, that we are putting ourselves before him, humbly bowing before a holy God because of what he has done through his Son, Jesus. And then we respond after that decision has been made in baptism as an outward expression of the inward change that has already happened. Baptism is a confession of faith, and taking with that is essential for anyone who has uh, come to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. We are Baptist church, so it shouldn't surprise you that we believe in baptism, that we, we put baptism as a, as a really high value, that we want to be able to even demonstrate. As you look behind me, there's a baptismal pool that is behind me uh, that is there at the foot of the cross because it's just a constant reminder to us of this first step of a believer when they accept Jesus Christ. And he gives orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. So we believe in something called believer's baptism. When he calls and speaks out and to be able to say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, then he takes the first step of obedience and is baptized. Interrupted by God, start a fire, Fan the flame, and then here's thirdly, watch it grow. Start a fire, fan the flame, and watch God grow the fire. Verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch did not see him again, so the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared as Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So they, they both go down into the water, it says here. Both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. The word baptized here is this connotation of overwhelming or immersing. And so that's why we believe in baptism by immersion. We see this very clear example here in Acts chapter 8. We also see uh, when Jesus was baptized to begin his uh, ministry when he is 30 years old, we see the same connotation of what baptism looks like with John the Baptist. He takes him down into the water, brings him back up out of the water. So Philip's work is done here. He cups, comes up out of the water. He's been baptized. He's been able to demonstrate then a, a, a life that is going to be changed going forward. 
And so uh, if he is interrupted by God, not only has he started the fire, not only has he fanned the flame, but now he gets to watch it grow. Watch what happens here. He disappears into thin air. That's what happens here. He gets to see something incredible happen that he had never experienced before. This is very similar to what we see in the Old Testament of Elijah being caught up into the chariot and taken away because God was doing something miraculous in this moment as he took Elijah up in a whirlwind into heaven. The eunuch doesn't see him anymore, and we don't learn anymore uh, in this passage about the eunuch. But biblical history, or excuse me, his historical documentation would tell us that as, as he is taken away back to Ethiopia, that he begins to go and he is a witness there in Ethiopia. And that he started a church there in Ethiopia, and the gospel began to move in that region. And, and later, many, many, many years later, that St. Augustine, who writes many of the things that we uh, see uh, in Scripture, uh, see as an understanding of Scripture, it's a great theologian, is coming out of this region that comes from the Ethiopian eunuch and how he begins to share the witness of what God is doing. Philip, his destination is ultimately Caesarea, where he goes, uh, but he is, was found at Azotus. Or, or when Philip is taken there, it's this, this Old Testament city of Ashdod. He is located in the Mediterranean Sea, which is 22 miles away. He just is fabricated 22 miles away. God just moves him there to be able to do what? To continue to preach and teach the gospel. He's like a super, super special agent. Like, like he, he goes, he responds to the call uh, to Samaria. Then he goes and responds to the call to go into the desert. Then he goes and responds to the call to be able to run up next to the chariot. And now God takes him immediately and takes him to another part so that he can do what? Continue to be interrupted for the sake of the gospel. Twenty years later, Paul will travel to Caesarea. And we will see his name, Philip, once again. He has four daughters who are prophesying and being able to really give uh, beauty to the local church there in Caesarea in the way that God is moving in their midst. It is a beautiful thing. Are you willing to be interrupted by God? Are you willing to start a fire, fan the flame, and watch what God does to grow it? I'm a, a guy who grew up reading westerns. It was just something that I really enjoyed. And one of my favorite kind of storylines that just is part of the wild, wild west is the idea of the Pony Express. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of you kids have no idea what I'm talking about as if I lived through this or something. I didn't. I've just read a lot. On it. It's fascinating to me is that young teenage boys are getting on horses and just riding them flat out with the mail and riding it to the next town. And as they come into the next town, they don't even slow down. They just throw the mail off of one horse onto the next horse, and that horse takes off as fast as they can. And they have this whole process of moving forward one step after another. Uh, the idea of a relay race is basically the same principle of that. But as you see those horses carrying uh, the mail, carrying the message from one uh, area of the west to the other, it's the same way the gospel is just moving forth in a similar fashion, just as handoff one to the next and just moving at a rapid pace. God is at work. Have you been interrupted by God? Start a fire, fan the flame, watch it grow. I hear locally this, this spring, some of you know him, his name is... 
Wes Aram. He started a ranch, uh, a, a summer camp called Circle C Ranch. Uh, he was someone who, uh, in his youth, uh, he was, uh, had, had strong hopes to become a professional baseball player. Uh, he was recruited by a number of teams, but God got a hold of his life and interrupted that plan and said, you need to be an evangelist. And so for many years, he traveled, played music, and, and preached sermons, and then at the end of the day, decided to start this little camp called Circle C Ranch out in Delavan, New York, four miles away from where I grew up. And it is there where I uh, gave my life to the Lord for full-time ministry to be able to understand that God was calling me into something and to be able to live my life for the sake of the gospel. And I am one person of thousands and thousands of people who accepted Jesus Christ because Mr. Wes Aram decided not to pursue baseball as a career. Uh, he passed away this spring. Uh, next weekend, there's a memorial service that we get to go, and I, I look forward. Now, hopefully, uh, COVID-wise, we'll be separated from each other and all that, but I look forward for there to be thousands of people, uh, whether virtually or in person, to be able to celebrate the life of a man who was willing to be interrupted by God. Are you willing to be, are you ready to be interrupted by God? Start a fire, fan the flame, and watch how God will grow. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your word this morning. We are so encouraged by Philip, the way that he is willing to be interrupted. Uh, Lord, it is not easy. Uh, it is not something that uh, came naturally to him, but he was willing to do it. Lord, he was seeing an incredible move uh, in the church. He is seeing some tremendous things happening, and yet when you asked him and challenged him to do something else, he immediately responded by saying, yes. There are some here this morning and some watching online at home that need to be challenged to say, I will go. If you are sending me, I will go. I will respond. I will say yes. Lord, we've been interrupted this spring in a lot of different ways. COVID has, has done something that we have never seen before, certainly in our lifetimes. But are you challenging us to be interrupted from our regular routine, to do something spectacular for you? Would you teach us to respond to the call? For some uh, listening uh, to the sound of my voice, whether in the room or at home and online, uh, that, that answering the call is simply doing the same thing that this Ethiopian did and responding to say, it's time to be baptized. It's time for me to make a public declaration of faith and I don't know all of what comes into it. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of concerns, but I'm willing to take the first step now that I've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There are some that aren't even at that point yet, Lord. They don't know you yet as their personal, they don't have a personal relationship with you yet. Lord, in a similar fashion, Lord, if there would be some here at home, online, be able to respond uh, using our connection card or using just some way to let us know that they want to know more, they want to accept you as their Lord and their Savior. Lord, they want to interrupt their lives because there's something tremendous that you want to do with them. Lord, we don't need to be people who've got it all figured out. We don't necessarily need some special ability, but we just need to be available. Availability. Lord, teach us to be available. Teach us to be interruptible and do something special in this church. 
Lord, we, we have an opportunity right now to be able to speak to another, yes, in this room, yes, in this community, but because of, of the way that the internet is being used right now in an unprecedented way, Lord, allow the gospel to ripple out of this place and go to the ends of the earth, even from this broadcast. Lord, there is something spectacular to be done, Lord, and we are saying we are not able, but we are available. Use us, Lord. If you send us, we will go. If you call us, we will say yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.